Now back to Morning Line with your host, Brian Calfano. And uh, everybody, it is now time, as it is every Tuesday at 745, for our call-in with the Show Me Institute. And this week, we have got Andrew Wilson joining us. And Andrew, good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning, and how are you? I'm doing all right. So uh, what is on the agenda for this week? Well, we have a new report out uh, showing... Once again, that Missouri's growth is um, lagging behind that of other states. But what's really interesting about this report is it takes a look at different cities in Missouri and how they are faring. Now, Andrew, can I just interrupt for real quick, just for yeah. clarification? Are we talking uh, overall economic growth? Is this job growth? Is it all? Uh, this is GDP growth. GDP. Okay. Yeah, and so this is economic growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the. Um, Medium-sized cities in Missouri are doing pretty well. Springfield, St. Joseph, Cape Girardeau. But the two big cities are the real laggards. And these and your biggest cities, according to sort of classic economic ideas, should be the ones that are really propelling growth. Mm. And instead, they're holding up growth. And um, as I talk to you, I'm sitting in the central west end in the city of St. Louis. And I live here, and I work here, and <clears throat> so I do see the problems of our city from a firsthand perspective. So let me ask you this. What exactly is it you think, if you could boil it down to two or three things, uh, that really holding St. Louis and Kansas City back in well, terms of investment and growth? Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind is the earnings tax, and uh, both cities had a vote last week on the earnings tax. Uh, most cities don't have an earnings tax. There in Springfield, you do not have an earnings tax. Um, the reason St. Louis and Kansas City adopted earnings taxes, you know, more than half a century ago, was because they saw it as a way to um, bring in tax revenue from people who were living outside the city boundaries. Right. And it's a very easy tax to collect in St. Louis. Uh, um, you know, all of the employers in St. Louis just withhold 1% of whatever people would be paid, and then they pay that direct to the city. And so it's an easy tax to collect, uh, and it allows people in the city, uh, city officials, to think, well, gee, this is great. Uh, we can tax outsiders, and we don't have to uh, pick up the full bill from our own residents for uh, various city services, uh, such as police and fire and streets and the rest of it. So so that's the advantage of the tax. The disadvantage of the tax is that, well, it's very easy to collect. It's also very easy to avoid. How? You just move your business right. uh, and you just go outside limits. And that's what's happened uh, in a very devastating fashion to the city of St. Louis over a long period of time. Uh, um, the tax was implemented in 1954, and that was you know, just a few years after the 1850 census in which um, the city's population peaked at uh, close to 900,000 people. Mm-hmm. And since then, uh, it's dropped to about 300,000 people. Right. In other words, the city has lost two-thirds of its human body weight. And uh, clearly the earnings tax was not the only factor or even 
the principal factor in making that happen, but it certainly facilitated it and was a very significant factor. So is a similar dynamic in Kansas City then, uh, in your estimation? Uh, well, Kansas City has different problems in St. Louis, uh, and I thought, you know, uh, maybe we could talk about the two problems uh, kind of separately. Mm-hmm. But the report that I'm talking about was done by Michael Pogursky, uh, who is one of the co-founders of the Show Me Institute. And uh, Mike is an economist at, uh, at the University of Missouri at Columbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did a very careful study. Uh, it's laden with statistics. Um, but but what it shows is that, uh, 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 and it's very interesting, um, you know, for the entire state of Missouri, uh, the average annual growth from 2001 to 2013 uh, was just 0.85%. Mm. In the large metro areas of Kansas City and St. Louis, it was well below that at 0.66%. And then in the small metro areas, such as Springfield, it was 1.40%. And so more than twice that of the larger metro areas. Hmm. So what do you think the state needs to do to help increase that percentage of overall growth? I mean, you were talking about the taxes for St. Louis. Uh, is it the idea to get rid of those local taxes, move it to a state-level kind of increase, or, or well, what? Well, I think we need in St. Louis to um, uh, get rid of the earnings tax. I mean, that's a first step, and it's not a, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be the conclusive step that turns everything around, but it's a very necessary first step. I mean, um, you know, uh, the St. Louis metropolitan area may not be rotten to the core, but at the core... There is a lot of rot, and mm. that has to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, one of the big problems that we have is crime. Uh, St. Louis um, was ranked uh, the second most dangerous city in the country by Forbes magazine. Yeah, right. uh, back in 2012, and uh, as I recall, the numbers the uh, St. Louis then had close to 1,900 violent crimes, uh, either murders, rapes, robberies, or aggravated assault per 100,000 residents. And um, uh, um, uh, Detroit was uh, slightly above that, and Memphis was slightly below that. But uh, since 2012, uh, one of the statistics that's gathered a lot of attention is what's happened with the murder rate in St. Louis. Since 2012, the murder rate has gone from 112 people per year up to 188 people last year in 2015. Uh, And so that was about a 60% increase. And so crime is a big problem. Uh, The schools are a big problem. And where the metropolitan area as a whole uh, and this is where I think St. Louis differs uh, in a big way from uh, from uh, Kansas City. But for the metropolitan area as a whole in St. Louis, we've got this real balkanization or fragmentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, in St. Louis County alone, this is not including St. Charles or Jefferson County, but in St. Louis County alone, 
Uh, there are 90 municipalities and another uh, 23 fire districts. And, and so it's totally balkanized. And a group called um, Better Together uh, is, has done some interesting work in studying the differences between uh, the St. Louis area and Indianapolis and Marion County there, the Indianapolis metropolitan area, uh, and also compared it with Louisville. But those two other uh, metro areas have taken steps in recent years to get rid of a lot of that duplication. And as a result, um, what, um, what they have found in this study is that um, based on per capita numbers, a St. Louis family of four pays $7,600 more every year for government services uh, than a family of four in Indianapolis would pay. And so that's 44% higher mm-hmm. as a result of all this duplication. I mean, think of, uh, think of you know, every one of these municipalities and fire districts has at least one lawyer. And so that's 125 Different lawyers who are, who are working on little um, fire fire district or or municipal matters. I mean, is that necessary? I mean, it's it's fantastic duplication. So Let me ask you this, uh, Andrew. On that, is there something about the charters for St. Louis uh, that make that kind of consolidating decision uh, a local one, or is it something the state legislature could put some heat on? I think the answer is both of the above. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a very complicated matter, but, um, uh, it needs to be addressed, uh, by the legislature and it needs to be addressed in the communities themselves. Why do you think that it's not been something, uh, from a, a Jeff City standpoint that you've heard a lot about? I mean, obviously, I mean, St. Louis is the, the largest city in the state. So what is the, or the largest metro, I should say, in the state? So what is, what is the problem with this disconnect? It seems as though Jeff City doesn't really have much to well, say about it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I don't have a really good answer to that question, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what I did want to draw attention to is the sort of the, uh, the difference between St. Louis with its problem of fragmentation. And I think that uh, for Kansas City, the problem is more that the, that the border between, uh, between the Missouri side and the uh, uh, Kansas side of, of uh, the Kansas City metropolitan area is entirely porous, and so right. uh, uh, and not only can can you escape the one percent earnings tax uh, by going across the city border, but but you can ex- uh, escape the uh, state tax, which is much larger, uh, by simply crossing the border. And so, if you've got a small business uh, on the uh, uh, Missouri side of of uh, Kansas, of uh, Kansas City, you, you can uh, cut your tax bill by about six um, percent by just crossing that border and reestablishing the business in Kansas. Although and Kansas, have- Kansas has a lot of other problems. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and that may not be the most attractive of options, but that's another story, I guess, for another day. Um, yeah. Question then: So, what do the two big cities need to do to try to increase revenue? In the short term, I mean, the earnings tax you're saying needs to go to the way of the dodo bird, and something else needs to replace it. I'm assuming. So, what would that look like? Uh, well, I think that uh, you know they haven't gotten serious yet about 
doing things that they obviously can do. Uh, why not privatize or sell off some of the public assets? In St. Louis, that could include the airport, uh, and it could probably be much better run uh, by a private operator uh, than by the city of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I mean, cities all over Europe have privatized airports and cut costs and made them more efficient. Uh, the same thing can be said about water service. Uh, here in St. Louis, uh, with two large universities and uh, uh, two large uh, medical complexes, you know, those are nonprofit institutions, and they're not paying property tax. But in places like Boston, uh, the city has made a real effort, as I understand it, to uh, get uh, some of these nonprofit institutions to pay something in lieu of a property tax. I mean, if you think of the Barnes complex, uh, it has to be something, you know, it has to be worth something to Barnes as an employer to uh, be rid of the 1% earnings tax that mm-hmm. it's, uh, people pay. Right. And so why not say to Barnes, well, uh, you know, we'd like some of that money back. Um, and in some ways, that's a more stable tax overall, right? Because the, the value of the property uh, or just the size of the complex, and that's going to be a constant rather than you have economic downturn, people lose their jobs or they move around, like you're saying, with the employment tax. Right. Right. I, right. I think that is a legitimate point. So that uh, might be a, a step forward. I mean, I don't know. Do you have any idea on the projections as to whether uh, if you got rid of that residence tax or whatever, uh, that uh, property based tax increase would actually replace the revenue effectively? Or is it uh, you got to go to some other kind of tax as well to replace uh, any lost revenue for the city? Um, uh, I don't have any studies that, uh, you know, we haven't. Uh, taken a deep dive into mm-hmm. the exact precise ways to replace the tax. But I think that one of the first things it takes is a real change of attitude on the part of the uh, people in charge of running the city, uh, right. the, the people at City Hall. Uh, you know, during this last election, they were saying it was irresponsible to even think of replacing the earnings tax over a 10 year period. Hmm. Well, uh, let me just, in joke or veritas, say that I think that, you know, that it could have been proposed to uh, replace that tax over a hundred years or a thousand mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And those same city officials would say, oh, you know, that's impossible. We can't do that. Right. Andrew, the music means we got to get moving. here. Um, do you have any last minute thoughts or sum up, wrap up kind of uh, ideas? Oh, here? Uh, well, I would urge... Um, uh, uh, your listeners to uh, look at the uh, uh, showmeinstitute.org and I'm sure we will have that study by Mike Pagursky up there soon and uh, we cover a lot of issues besides that as you know. All right. So, uh, it's great to be on your show. Thanks Appreciate it, much. Andrew. Thanks very much. From the Show Me Institute, Andrew Wilson. I'm Brian Calfano. Good Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us. Laura Ingram is up next and I'll see you tomorrow morning here on Morning Live.